Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Joseph Vyry, and he is the principal at U.S. Tax Advisors Group, and he is a cost segregation professional. So Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I am doing great, and thank you for inviting me on the show. Absolutely. We love cost segregation specialists because they do the what they do. What we like to see is they help save us money and and help us strategize on our properties. So this is a fantastic topic to get into and welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good topic because putting money in people's pockets is always a good story. (laughs) Yes, it is. So Joe, can you give us a little bit more about your background and how you got started with cost segregation? Yes, I can. I am of an entrepreneurial bent. I owned another type of business for 20 years, which was special interest travel, you know, for insurance companies and that kind of thing. I went to uh, my degrees in business management. And when I sold the business, I got involved with the California Association of Realtors and I was securities licensed and I helped the members and some of the other ancillary groups with financial planning. And that was starting in about 2000 and it went until 2007. And something happened in 2007. The car went off the cliff. So the association that had hundreds of thousands of members overnight, it died. And so previous to that, about a year prior to 2007, I kept having this associate wanting to tell me about a a concept he learned about. And I kept blowing him off because I thought he wanted to sell me some soap or something. Bottom line was, uh, we sat down for lunch and he said, you know, he told me about cost segregation. I happen to have clients that had uh, tax issues, income tax issues. So I immediately went to them. They said, yeah, let's move forward. It worked extremely well. They were very pleased. And then, like I said, in 2008, seven, when the depression hit, the owner of the company that I was working with said, look, Joe, why don't you come work for me? So I shifted gears because, you know, like I said, the financial planning and, and everything I was doing with the California Association of Realtors went off the cliff. So since 2007 or eight, I began my uh, switch of um, paths and I became a, a cost segregation specialist. And then about five, six years ago, I started my own business. And the difference, because there's others out there, but the one of the main differences is that we are very successful in doing an affordable cost seg for small buildings. So that would mean single family homes or any type of building that have a basis of $500,000 or less. We're one of the only companies in the U.S. that that can do that type of study and make it affordable. So can you walk us through, you know, 
when you're doing a cost segregation study, what is the entire, what does a process look like as you're engaging with a cost segregation specialist? How does it, what do you do to start? And then how do you guys start to take a look at what items are depreciable and how do you start putting together that study for your clients? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. I mean, because I think what I see around the country and, and by the way, I've been doing this for so long that, that, you know, I don't spend a lot of time cultivating uh, clients, but bottom line is what I, I, I pretty much see is that, um, which is makes us a little bit different is that before we get involved in a building, we, we want information. We just, somebody calls up and says, Hey, I got a hotel, but what's your fee? I say, that's not the way I work. I'm not going to quote you a fee because I have, my engineers have to know about the building. So I gather as much information as I can without making the client upset. So I just get, you know, as much as I can, like if he can give me an appraisal, if he can give me a set of the plans and and it's very easy, if he can give me the closing statement. So I try and get as much documentation on the building so I can see exactly what it is because, you know, it's very rare to find two buildings that are exactly the same. You can find a McDonald's exactly the same, but other than that, multifamily office, hotel, whatever you have, single family homes, they're all pretty much different. So I try and get the information. And then what we do is we look over the information and we go to our pictometry software, which is satellite software. We look at the building. I find out how many hours the engineer is going to take in doing the study. And then we give the client, and this, by the way, is at no, no charge. We don't charge for this phase. And we give the client an estimate of, of benefit they'll receive. And then we also give them the fee. And then we let them know, hey, you can do what you want. You can do, you know, if you if they have one building, of course, you can do that building. If you have 10 buildings, you can pick and choose which one you want. And then basically we go to proposal um, with them. Uh, we charge a 50% retainer up front. And then uh, if it's a detailed engineering study, then again, collect all the documents we can get our hands on. And then number two, we have to do an inspection of the building and we have to measure all of the property in the building. That's why a detailed engineering study costs so much because somebody has got to go out there and and measure everything. Now, what's everything? I'm talking about countertops. I'm talking about cabinets. I'm talking about flooring. I'm talking about walls, windows. Um, I'm talking about roof, HVAC, landscaping. So somebody has got to go and count the trees Count how much uh, you know cement was poured on the driveway, or if it's asphalt. What what size fencing? What type of fencing? So that part of it takes time, and that's why. Um, and then this information gets back to the to uh, the office where you have the head engineer, and then bottom line is he breaks everything out into the appropriate um, classes and lives. So that's what's called the detailed engineering study. The other study we do is very very painless. It's called modeling. And that's for smaller buildings. And if you do a modeling study, we don't need much information other than the type of building, the address, what you paid for it, or the building basis. And if you don't have the, the land allocation carved out, then we um, will just use an estimate to get going. But bottom line is land is not depreciable. So if you bought a building for a single family home for $120,000, somebody has got to peel off the land. So the land, let's say, is 20000 That means I have 100000 to work with. And then what we do when we do the modeling is we do a statistical analysis. The engineers use all of our experience, all of our buildings nationwide, and we're able to, to tell the IRS with great accuracy how much the building owner will expect to find 
in all the lives of the building components, which are, are if anybody wants to know, is five years, which is the interior, flooring, cabinets, window coverings, et cetera, and then 15 year for the land. And then you're always going to have um, the 27 and a half year because uh, we can't peel off the walls, the foundation, the roof, because that stays in real property. And so what we're doing is we're just telling the IRS, okay, this is what we're going to expect to find in land improvements and personal um, property. And then um, we give the report to the accountant and they um, they file the tax return and use our results. And so typically, I, I, it's going to vary from property to property based on size, but on a typical average cost segregation study for an average, um, you know, standard property that you t- look at, what is the timeline to perform a, a study on it? Okay. And, and that's, that's, that's a good news, bad news situation, because it, the good news is I can tell you really very quickly, it's 30 days from when we collect all the documents and when we go out there and we finish the inspection of the building, 30 days from that point. Uh, why that's a good news, bad news is because, you know, sometimes the clients do drag their feet on getting documents that we need like the appraisals, like the closing statements, like the depreciation schedule, if it's a look-back study. We can also do um, look-back studies, which means that if you bought a property prior to 2021, you've already filed the, the first tax return on that property, and we can go back about 15 years, and we can accelerate the depreciation, and the accountant will file a change of accounting method form, which is completely legal and approved by the IRS, file the new results, and still get accelerated appreciation. We calculate about 15 years is as far as we can go back to make the numbers work. So anyway, so once I get all that information, 30 days. So in terms of strategy, as you purchase a property and you're looking to do a cost segregation study on it, does it matter on timing? Yeah, it does. You have to do it before you file your tax return. Because one of the great things that a lot of people just don't understand, when I first started, the the number one comment was like, oh, this must be a scam. This must be a scam. So we had to fight that and fight it. And nowadays, every accountant out there knows or should know about cost segregation. And then, no, it's not a scam. Now, some don't do it because they don't know how. And there, there's a reason for that, because the IRS and the audit technique guidelines for cost segregation which is a document the IRS publishes and you can go on the web and I recommend everybody peruse that document, says that the number one study is the detailed engineering study. And so, um, and so bottom line, that's the, that's the document that we use when that's how we base all of our work. We go down the list and we have everything. And the number one part of that quotient is to have an engineer do the work, do the study. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. 
Got it. And so can you talk to us? A lot of the question is the cost integration study is fantastic while you own the property. What about the recapture at the end when the property is sold? Well, that's an excellent question too. And I will warn everyone, I think there's a big misnomer out there. And um, I'm not going to go into detail, but here's the misnomer is that when you do, uh, by the way, if you don't accelerate your depreciation, the method 99% of the time, or maybe 100% of the time is straight line. And if you have a child in your family and they've got a phone or a calculator, they can calculate what the depreciation is for straight line. Because for a residential building, you simply divide the building bases. Again, that's the acquisition price less the land. You divide that by 27 and a half years for a commercial building is 30. And so if you do straight line, you will have to pay a tax on all the depreciation you've taken since you've owned the building when you sell it for cash. Now, depreciation recapture, if you exchange a building or the inheritance comes into play, that's a different story. There is no depreciation recapture. But if you sell it for cash, you're going to have to pay a tax back to the IRS. However, there is an advantage by doing cost segregation. It reduces depreciation recapture. And here's the general thought process. This is what we tell our, our, our accountant partners is let's use five years to make it easy. So, so now I break out the five-year property. I break out the 15-year property. And so now five years down the road, the client sells the building. What we would advise you to tell the IRS is this. It's like a laptop you bought five years ago. You paid $2,000 for it. What's the lap- laptop worth today? 50? 100? So basically, the five-year property that we designate should be, maybe not entirely, there's going to be some residual value, like in the laptop example, where there may be 50 or $100. So maybe you don't want to do 100% of the five-year property, but you would tell the IRS, hey, look, the five-year property is used up. It's gone because we've owned the property for five years. And a third of the 15-year property is used up. It's gone because we've owned the property for five years out of, out of the 15. So, you know, one third of it. And so what cost segregation does if you apply this principle is it reduces your depreciation recapture because you're not charged that tax on the five and the 15-year property that, that is technically has been used. So that's a pretty powerful concept. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so share with us a little bit if you can. You know, there's a lot of talks about the legislation changing and there may be potential changes with the cost segregation down the road. What are some of the things that you're seeing in this space and how is that going to be changing or what potential changes are out there that we can kind of expect or prepare ourselves for? Well, another excellent question. The biggest one, although it's not tremendously important, but since the Tax Jobs Act that Trump put into play a couple of years ago, uh, 2017 for cost segregation, there was a concept known as a 100% bonus depreciation. The way that reads is really simple. And that's pretty much our world where it's kind of simple to explain cost segregation, but it's very um, expertise oriented as far as actually developing all of the the costing and all of the quantities and producing the report. The bottom line is the concept for 100% bonus is everything that you find in a building that has a life of 20 years or less, you can write that off or you can use that depreciation 100% the year you do the study. 
So what that means is we're always going to find the, 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 the real property, which is 27 and a half and in the 39 year property. That's has already been defined by the accountant when he did straight line. But now when we break out cost seg, what do we do? We break out the, the, I just told you, the five and the 15-year property. So now you know what the five and the 15-year property is, and you can take what we find. So let's use the example of that single-family home I'm referring to, or we could use a million-dollar building. It makes no difference. But in the single-family home, it was $120,000 acquisition. $20,000 was taken out for land. $100,000 is for the building. And let's, for sake of argument, I find 25% in the personal property and the land improvements. That's $25,000. So now what the client for that small building is going to have is a $25,000 accumulated depreciation expense in the year that he filed his tax return, which is probably now going to be for 20 or 21. And I almost said this, but I, I forgot where I was going a minute ago. But as far as the as cost segregation, it, it's really not an auditable it's not an audible reason. It's not a reason for the IRS to do an audit. That's pretty much taken off the table. The client might get audited for another reason. And the, the agent might say, oh, you did cost seg. Let's look at this report. And oh, I've got questions. How did you come up with this much granite countertop? Well, they simply call me. We defend our work. We answer the questions. And because of our pedigree and our experience, that's usually the end of it with the IRS. Got it. And so as you're working with other real estate investors, what has been the biggest misconception that they typically have as they're starting to undergo a cost segregation? Well, you know what? I'm going to just segue real quick because I was going down the road of 100% bonus and I I forgot the punchline. And the punchline is the 100% bonus. The last year for the 100% is tax year 2022. So everybody should take advantage of that because it does make a difference in your tax savings. So in 2023, it drops down from 100 till I think it drops down to 80. And then the next year it drops down to 60 until it expires completely and there's no more 100%. So that's one of the reasons why people should be cognizant of the 100% bonus not being 100% after tax year 2022. As far as your question on on any other changes, I would be extremely surprised if Congress or the IRS does anything to impact the work we do. It's just so ingrained and you need cost segregation for so many other reasons besides just accelerating depreciation. For example, if you're doing a renovation, a value add on a property, and you throw all of, like, I know value adds extremely well, like for multifamily, what do you do? You go in, you rip out all the countertops, You may rip out the counters, you rip out the floor, you put in vinyl, you put in new window coverings. Of course, you paint it, put in new appliances. I know the whole routine. Everything you throw in the trash is a write-off. And a lot of people are missing that. And so if you have a cost segregation study, you know the value of your countertops. So if you throw away linear feet, if you throw away 12 linear feet of countertops, you can calculate, you don't need me, you can calculate from my study how much of a write-off you're going to get because the IRS does not want two items on the depreciation schedule. One item on the depreciation schedule, like for example, countertops is in that hundred thousand dollars when you bought the building. And now you put another count new countertop on. So then you would have two that you're depreciating. And the IRS says, no, you have to write off your countertop, but 
clients, that's good news because the write-off is a write-off and everybody wants as many write-offs as possible. So that's a really interesting point that you made there, because if you're going to replace the previous countertops, so in terms of timing of the cost segregation, should you be doing it prior to doing a value add type of project, or should you be doing it after the renovations and the, the business plan is complete? Well, normally what I recommend in this situation for value adds is a three-phase project. Number one, do the acquisition basis. You bought the property for 120, you have 100,000, do it on 100,000. Now let's say you're, now these numbers are way too small, but this is just for examples. So let's bump it up to a $1.2 million building and you take out 200,000 for the land. Now I have a million dollars to work with. And so bottom line is if you take that million dollars and you do the original basis and then you put 200,000 in, then I would come back after you've done all the renovations and I would, I could do, if, if you want to pay me to do it, I can do the dispositions for you. I can calculate how much you threw in the trash. And then the final phase, that's phase two. The final phase would be the cost segregation on the $200,000 you spent for the improvements. So get started. And then when you finish, we'll do the last two, the two and three phases. That's my recommendation. Ah, uh, that, yes. Because yeah, like you mentioned, that seems like there's a lot of wasted opportunities if you're not taking advantage of that point because the olds that you're getting rid of that has some value to it as well. Well I tell tell my clients I say look I can't estimate the dispositions because until you're done. But I can tell you this the dispositions alone will probably pay for your entire cost segregation study five times over just in that those write-offs. So if you, the, the $200,000 example I just had, I'll probably find $100,000 in items that they of a million dollar building that they threw 10% of the building. I'll find that in what they threw in the trash. That's a $100,000 write-off. Wow. That's going to pay for your cost segregation study. So Joseph, is there anything else about cost segregation that we don't typically know as investors going into this that eventually comes up that common questions or something like that, that we haven't really talked or discussed or mentioned? Well, number one is the disposition aspect. I think that is number one. Number two is there's a lot of misconceptions about, and and you asked the misconception question. A lot of times I hear like, oh, this is only available for new construction. No, I can do George, the building George Washington slept in because the depreciation clock starts over when the building is purchased. Mm-hmm. Another thing everybody has to understand is the IRS only cares about the money you took out of your pocket to buy the building. It makes no difference if that million dollar building is worth 2 million. We can only depreciate the building basis as per when you bought the building. So if you are bought a building uh, 10 years ago, I'm sorry. I know you probably paid a, not very much. That's all I have to work with. Even if the building is worth five, 10, 15 times, times that amount. And so if you do the look back study, and when you use a form 3115, which is the change of accounting method form, you can use that for a lot of different uh, reasons. There's only one use of the form that's guaranteed approval by the IRS, and that's for cost segregation. So that alone should tell people, wow, I guess this is the real deal because the IRS and like I said, go online to the audit technique guideline if you want to read the IRS's views on cost segregation. Uh, you're never going to get pushback for cost seg if you use a reputable 
company and they have, you know, real engineers. They don't do drive-by surveys of the building. Drive-by means there's somebody with a camera that just takes a couple pictures and that's their on-site inspection. That's not going to fly with the IRS. And so we don't do that. We follow the book. Fantastic. Well, Joe, thank you so much for sharing all your expertise with us. There's so much in there that that we gained from this episode. So Joe, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything with us today. Right. No, I appreciate it. Your time. And yeah, if anybody needs uh, to follow up with me, it's really simple. U-S-T-A-G-I, which is U.S. Tax Advisors Group Incorporated. Uh, So www.ustagi.com is the easiest way. They can go online, they can look at our website and they can find my contact information, emails, and phone. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.